It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. recognize that tune and you know it's time for relics radio this is a family friendly show so the entire family can join us as we talk metal detecting and relic hunting you can call into the show at 270-495-0315 or join in the chat and post any comments or questions you might have and we'll get to as many of them as we can You're listening to Relics Radio of Southern Kentucky and Middle Tennessee. All right, we're live again from the foothills of southern Kentucky and also in middle Tennessee. Uh, I am Digging with Seven, your host. Uh, I guess you call me Mutt. I'm Mutt. uh, Uh, I'm I'm Jeff, uh, Tennessee Jeff. (laughs) So good to have you in here tonight. We've got Jordan Anderson in the chat already, Paul Forsay in the chat. And uh, I'm sure that some others are going to be in. But we're covering the whole spectrum, not only in Kentucky and Tennessee, but we also got Maryland covered tonight. And a very special guest that I know that all you diggers will know, Aqua Chigger. Are you there, Bo? I am. Yeah, I am here. Oh, great. I'm still awake. <laughs> still awake. <laughs> got Mike Clutter coming yeah. in. Uh, this is going to be a great show. Uh, you have undoubtedly one of the most successful uh, YouTube metal detecting channels on YouTube. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I've done, I guess I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I've been at it for like over 10 years or so. And, uh, you know, just keep this, keep growing every day, it seems. And um, I just keep doing my thing and people seem to like it. So I'll keep doing my thing. <laughs> yep. You know, it's funny. When I first started doing my YouTube videos, uh, course uh you were the ones i started watching and i thought man i i, I really like this i i think i'll start doing some uh, videos then I, you got into water hunting and then i thought man this guy's crazy what's the, he's diving up under water and all this trying to find the relics and after that I, I got well hey that's a good idea so 
next thing you know, I was in some water. So, but yeah, you've got a great channel and, uh, some awesome relics that you've, uh, recovered out of the, uh, creeks and just, uh, on land and stuff. So you've done a real great job at it. I'd, yeah, well, I appreciate that. I'd say so. I looked today, and uh, you've got over 917,000 subscribers. You've had over 158 million views, so I'd say you're doing pretty well. Just keep doing what yeah. you're keep doing. What you're doing. Uh, from time to time, I'm going to mention everybody that's in the chat uh, because you are as important as anything to us because uh, you support our channels. We've got Deborah Minnick and Forrest Stanett. Uh, got got uh, Joel Byler in, Chris Heimsoff, Tim Henderson. Uh, we just got uh, we got a house full here tonight. But one question that uh, obviously uh, we ask every guest: What got you started into metal detecting? You know, I started when I was just a little kid. You know, back in the seventies. I grew up in the Shenandoah Valley in West Virginia. You know, just outside of Harper's Ferry, which was a lot of Civil War activity there. And you know, I've just always been interested in exploring and digging in the dirt. I mean, I think that's really where I started. It was just, I love the feel and the smell of soil. You know, uh, I don't hardly ever wear gloves because I just love the feel of it in my fingers, and I love the smell of soil. And, you know, I think it's probably where it all started, you know, um, what's in the soil, you know, and next thing I know, I'm looking for stuff, and, um, and my mother bought, our family, I, you know, I had a bunch of brothers and stuff, and a big family, and, and she bought us a metal detector to share, this was back in, you know, mid-70s, probably, and, you know, I was already looking for bottles and stuff by then, uh, but yeah, you know, she got it for the family back then, and I picked it up and started using it, and really liked it, because you could find more stuff. Um, I've you know been detecting on and off since then. You know, life gets in the way, of course, and, and it did over the years. But uh, yeah, I've been pretty much at it, not quite nonstop, but more or less since then. Yeah, all oh, but when you had the flu. I mean, of course, that put a hurt on you there for a little <laughs> bit. And the scratches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that oh, and what know, poison in the oak. army and stuff. Yeah, that that was terrible, man. I'm, that was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell on one video uh, I don't think it was your last one Maybe it was the next to last one that you did You were out uh, You and another guy was hunting an old site That he had hunted and uh, Where he'd found a lot of flat buttons and everything And you could tell, you know, that you wasn't 100% That uh, you're still I think you even made mention, you know That you were trying to regain your strength But it is yeah. that season Of the year, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I was, I got the, you know, I had, when I, I went to England in the fall and came back and I got, like, got sick, had the flu, and then I got pneumonia. I went diving, sucked in a bunch of water in my lungs. The next thing I know, I had pneumonia. And I got mm. better, and then I went out to Las Vegas with the Garrett guys, you know, and came back with the flu again. <laughs> and, you know, it, that puts you down for about three or four weeks. Good, good three or four weeks, you know. Mm. And uh, when you're not out there every day in the bushes and, and climbing the hills, I mean, you kind of lose a lot of your strength and stamina. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm slowly getting it back, and I've been pretty much hitting it every day or so now, so for the past week or two, and uh, feeling a lot better. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, let me announce our call-in number because this gives uh, our listeners an opportunity to talk with Alcoa Chigger if you've got a question for him. Uh, our number is 270 495 0315. 
And just real quick, I don't know if I've mentioned everybody, but Bill, Bill McDougal is in. Liz with Digging Canuck. Deborah Minnick is in. Uh, and uh, Barb is in. And Josh is in from uh, Beyond Sight and Sound. And I see that Jeff just put the uh, call-in number in. And so our lines are open if you've got anything that you want to uh, uh, ask Aqua Chigger, Bo. Uh, what questions have you got for him, Jeff? Well, see, the one question I've been thinking of, uh, how long did it take you to get that anchor, that uh, the uh, pontoon bridge boat anchor out? <laughs> Man, I remember seeing trip. that. <laughs> I bet it did, man. I was like, how in the world did he get that out? And I remember on the one of the videos you said it took you a while to get it out. And then oh, I, I, yeah. I've always wondered how long it took. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it was, that was a tough one because I had to like drag it across the bottom. And of course, you know, it was over my head in many places. So I had to go down and drag it, go down and drag it. And it was just terrible. <laughs> oh, oh, it took me a while, but I got it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a great relic, too. I mean, you don't you don't see them very often. I mean, I, well, actually, that's all I've ever seen. So, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's uh, a few around uh, down in uh, Remington, Virginia. Uh, there are some pontoon bridges down there, and the fire company actually has a couple of them look just like it. They came out of the Rappahannock. Um, they fire company has them right in front of their station down there. So if you want to see one live, there's one down there. <laughs> Two of them that I got. So, and of course, man, yeah, that's but, pretty cool. Yeah, they're big, heavy. The anchors. I mean, they're just they're big. <laughs> yeah, and then the uh, the your famous uh, coin spill. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you believe you've got all them coins? You know, I go back there every year, and I'd say for the past three years or so, I have not found any. And uh, okay. you know, I work different areas where I'll move all the rocks and the silt and and keep checking it. But you know, it's bedrock, so um, they can't really go down any further than what they are. Because it's solid rock, uh, so I, I'm pretty. I'm, I feel pretty good. I got them all. There might be one or two still sneaking in there that um, I'm, I'm keeping. I'll look for them every year, uh, but I just have not mm -hmm. found any for the last couple of years there. So and Deborah, yeah, Deborah Minnick asked, uh, asked a question about that. And uh, for those of you that haven't seen it, it's uh, it's Aqua Chigger on YouTube, and he found if I'm not mistaken, 178 silver coins, and these are all old coins as well. But Deborah wanted to know what you thought the reason for that hoard of coins being there. Well, you know, reason. I could t I could talk to you for the whole hour about why they might have gotten there. <laughs> uh, but what she might be thinking is, no, like literally how did they get there? And I think my theory is it was in a Ford on a river, and the ford is a place where people have to go through the water to cross it. You know, it's not a bridge. Um, so they'd go through walking or on horses or on wagons, and uh, it, you know, it wasn't very deep. It's not very deep water there, and it was clear now. You know, this, you know, this century is clear, and it probably was then. And I think that someone was crossing it during a flood and got swept off the horse or wagon, and the bag of coins fell to the bottom, and you know, just ended up in the mud there. They may recover. You know, they could have recovered a thousand of them. I don't know. Uh, mm -hmm. But you know, what was left is what was what I found. Um, but even even then, I suspect that they probably didn't make it because, like I said, I mean, the water is not very deep when it's not flooded. It's only like knee deep. So, 
So you would think that they could probably pretty much find everything they dropped once the river went down. Um, yeah. They, I actually found over 200 of them there. Um, but they didn't find, you know, 200, 200 of them. So I don't really know for sure, but I suspect they got, you know, they were crossing in a flood because people had to cross. You know, if it was flooded, they just had to take the chances or camp on the bank for a week until it went down. Um, that was very common back in the old days because they didn't have bridges anywhere. Um, you know, it was one of the big, big, um, big dangers of traveling anywhere in the country was that you had to swim these rivers on your horses and your wagons. And in the springs or after big rains, you either camped on the bank for a month or you took your chances. So it was very common yeah. for that ve- to happen. And very lucky for you, too, I guess, you know, uh, in hindsight, yeah. looking back at it. Uh what what did you think that day as you just kept pulling Cohen after Cohen after Cohen out? Well, I hate to say this, but you know I'm not really a coin guy. <laughs> you can look, I guess you can kind of see it in the videos. Like, yeah, another coin, you know, that's cool. You know, I was looking for Civil War stuff. Um, you know, I guess it was after I had like a handful of those, you know, giant eight real coins um, that you know I realized I was really on something special, and um, you know, it was just a really I don't know, just a really cool feeling, I guess, knowing that I had that history in, in my hand and knowing that I had a lot of research to do to try to figure out why they were there and who might have lost them, which I still haven't been able to find out. You know, mm-hmm. no news, any type of any type of reports or anything of anyone drowning or losing vast wealth at you know, that area. But you know, I'm still researching it, and I probably will for the rest of my life. I'd say so. Yeah. Chris Himself yeah. asked a question uh, related to those finds as well. He wanted to know, do you document your finds, not just video, but writing those things down? And if so, do you use a certain program or a certain method? No, I don't. I Well, I don't use any, I don't, uh, use any type of program or computers. You know, got to remember, I've been doing this long before there were computers. Uh, everything I find, I do take pictures of and document it that way. Uh, and of course, I have it on video, uh, but no, I, I don't have like a giant ledger uh, either on my computer or written of everything I have. It's all in pictures, pictures and video. Well, probably if you had that, everybody'd be trying to hack your computer or something. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah I, they're much... all external drives, man. I put them all <laughs> everything on <an> external drive. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm paranoid, it's just that video takes up so much room on your computers, like, you know, you have to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do, too. Whenever I finish with one, I keep all of my original yeah. clips and everything, and I put them on a, uh, on a little disc and uh, just get it yeah. all off of my computer because, you know, uh, I don't know, we're at like 167 videos, which is not a lot, but it is a lot, too, and it, it does. It takes up a... A tremendous amount of room whenever you have all those on there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have to, I have to like get them all off my computer, all my clips and all my finished videos, every couple of weeks. You know, and I have you know external drives I put them on just so I can use the computer again. You know, because you know it seems like it's always at like eighty percent full. <laughs> One thing I like about <clears throat> about your videos, and they're not all metal detecting, they're not all treasure hunting. Right. Some of them are just uh, outdoor type things. But one thing that I really do like about your videos, and by the way, I got acquainted with you through a mutual friend, uh, uh, Chris Armstrong. 
bird dog. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's a good guy. He is, and me and him have hunted uh, some together. And his dad, his dad is great. But one thing I love yeah. about your videos, regardless of whether it's metal detecting or just an outdoors type thing, is you tell a story. Yeah, you know, I I, I think that I I yeah I try to tell a story, and I, I think that's what it it makes it interesting for me too. Because I'm looking for the story. It's not necessarily. I'm not necessarily looking for the bullets or the coins. I'm looking for the story when I go out there. So it can lead in any direction. So I never know what story, what little piece of treasure I'm going to come across that day. Because it might not be a bag of old silver coins. It might be, you know, a raccoon den with little raccoons looking at me. You know. So it's. Mm-hmm. it's I think searching for the story, searching for just just the adventure, you know, just taking those blinders off and just looking around and just following the different paths, you know, uh, not, don't focus on just using your metal detector and finding the old coins. Um, that's what I like. And that's the videos I make. And, uh, um, I, you know, I guess my fan, the fans I have, that's what they like, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm happy that there are people out there that aren't just focused on, you know, how much treasure did you find today? You know, that are looking at it from a, a you know a whole lifestyle perspective and you know, of, of all the different things you can be doing when you're out in the woods or on the river or whatever in the fields that there's so much other things that you can be thinking about and looking for and doing not just beep beep is that a silver point uh, you know nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that you know but that's not what i want um, and I make the videos I want to make, and that's the advice I give to everyone. Make the videos you want to make. If it's if you just want to go out there and find silver coins, well, yeah, make those videos because that's your passion. Um, but that's not my passion. My passion is to enjoy the outdoors and slow down and just look around and you know try to invite others into my world. That's what I do when I'm out there. And you know, yeah, that's it, great. It seems like I'm successful. And you're setting up a. Uh... You're actually setting up context, uh, you know, a scene where you draw the people in and they're not focused just on a hole and the relic that came out of the hole. You've got all the surroundings and you're talking about the surroundings and things like that, you know. And uh, I think that the, that the viewers like that, you know. They like to get in the moment and feel like that they're on the adventure. Yeah, you know, and I you know I appreciate you bringing that up because I think that is a, one of the reasons that you know I have a pretty a very good fan base, and you know we can talk numbers, but you know in reality, not that many people watch my videos. Just subscribe, but mm-hmm. but the fan base I do have uh, is a very loyal, very um, uh, you know they're, they're they're into it and they want to know more, and I you know I get a lot of fan mail and and snail mail and stuff like that and people are just you know enthralled at what i'm doing and what i'm showing them they can do uh so that's you know it is really a subset of that huge number of subscribers that you know i'm really playing to you know and and trying to really connect to um and it's a very i think it's a very strong bond with you know that small subset of people and that's what keeps me going you know keeps me happy and uh you know keep making videos as long as people like them (laughs) at least that small subset you know well that's that's kind of the way and you know it's funny 
Okay. It's funny. I've caught myself holding my breath a couple of times. Now I wasn't going to say that, but I, I don't know what it is. It's, I have hey, no I, kidding. I hear that all the time from people. You know, I meet a lot of people out there, especially when I'm like doing things, uh, you know, for Gary and whatnot. You know, meet and greets, and they all tell me that. You know, that that they actually yeah. hold their breath, and their kids are running around screaming, "Hold your breath!" And I just, it just, you know. <laughs> makes my heart go pitter pat that people are involved and they're liking what I'm doing. And, you know, maybe I'm making a little bit of a difference and making life a little bit more fun for other people. Yeah. That's good. And maybe, yeah. maybe you can add it. Well, you can breathe now because I mean, somebody will probably just pass out. <laughs> I'll sit there and turn blue in the yeah. face. Oh, I'm not underwater. Never mind. I, I should add today. I should, I should do that occasionally, but you know, by the time I, that comes around, I've already forgotten it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Now, how did you get in the uh, caving deal? I know we're talking relics here, but, I mean, you have some good ca- uh, caving videos. And, uh, uh, of course, this show's about you right now. And how did you get into doing the caving? You know, I've been into, <clears throat> into caving since I was a little kid, too, probably probably before I had a metal detector, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, there, you know, I'm in an area where there are you know, a fair number of caves. I mean, there's not, like, massive caves like some areas, but... Um, you know, I just I've been I love the exploring. It's all about exploring and and going places and learning things and you know, crawling in these little holes in the ground. That's I mean that's a great adventure. Even for me nowadays, that's a great adventure. Like I like looking for um, I like looking for new caves that have never been in. You know, people haven't been in yet. You know, that you have to kind of dig mm-hmm. out and stuff because you know you can get in those caves. And I found one recently. You get it. You, you step into this cave and you're the first person in history to ever stand there and see what you're seeing it's like Man, you know, it's like better than being on the moon almost but you're the first person yeah. in history you know and it's just such a thrill of discovery when you can do that um when you and you know it you know um that's i just love i love that kind of cave i love looking for the caves the, the exploring the adventure that goes along with it and, uh, you know, like I said, since I was a little kid, I was caving. First, one of the first caves I, you know, ever really went in was John Brown's Cave in Harpers Ferry, you know. He supposedly mm-hmm. put a whole bunch of muskets in there before they did the raid on the arsenal, yeah. <laughs> Didn't happen, but, you know, that was the story, and I had to go, and, you know, and that's one of the biggest caves in the area, you know, John Brown's Cave. So I'm still there, by the way. <laughs> Man, that's cool. And then if, if you if you find one that no one else has ever found, you get to name it, right? Okay. Yeah. So are yeah, we going to yeah. see one that's uh, called Aqua Chiggers Cave, or? Well, who knows? I mean, you know, um, I I discovered one with a friend uh, just recently, and I kind of made a deal with him and said, "Look, you, we had to actually take a hammer drill to it with a generator to break the rock to make it big enough so we could get in." But, you know, I I've seen the video. Yeah. yeah. So I made a deal with this guy. I said, look, do you let me go in first? You know, I'm, I'm the first person in history to ever see this cave. You know, it's like being on Mars, and you can name it. <laughs> like, <okay. laughs> well, hey, that's a good trade-out. Yeah, and he I got mean, to name it, and uh, he's happy with that. And I'm the first person, you know, every time I think about that, it just gives me goosebumps, you know. Uh, but yeah, I'm still looking for caves, and I'll find more. And if I find one, I'll, you know, if I'm by myself, I'll name it. If I'm with somebody, I'll try to make the same deal again. <laughs> 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 it's a good deal, man. You know, when you're the first person ever in the history of you know the world to 
see something because you can't do that anywhere. Yeah, you know, you can you can't go to the Amazon and do that because you know someone's probably already been there. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's just uh, and again that's part of the that's part of the adventure, the lifestyle, the being outdoors, the the discovery, the looking for things. You know, and not necessarily using the metal detector, but it's, it's the same thing. It really is. You know, it's all mm-hmm. part of this big blanket of, of you know, of joy that we get in life when we're outside doing our thing. Um, but, yeah, that's wonderful, just wonderful. And I do a lot of that different kind of stuff. So and I like to share it with people because, you know, people seem to like it too. So, yeah, more caves. And a few people have said. Fact, tomorrow is a big cave day. I mean, there's a big cave that opened up. Uh you know, back 30 years ago, the guy said that it went down, you know, and they had to fill it in because a cow fell on it and stuff, and it's opened again. So I'm going to be dropping cameras down there tomorrow. It's like, you know, 50 feet straight down. Man. So, you know, that's kind of exciting. Most of the caves in our area, area the uh, entrances are horizontal, you know. They're not straight down. You go back in them. And uh, I know yeah. whenever I was younger, we used to go into some of those, and it was a good place to uh, dig for uh Native American relics, and, you know, we'd find mm-hmm. several of those things. A lot of people in the chat are are saying that, uh, you know, they're afraid of caves because they're afraid of bats or a, a bear mm-hmm. or some kind of uh, critter, you know, come and get you. Have you ever had any experiences fine. like that? No. I mean, we're, hey, look, humans are big, scary creatures. You know, no one really, I mean, unless you're a bear you know, or a shark or something. I mean, those little, those little guys don't want to mess with you. I mean, as long as you can stand your ground and not be terrified, I mean, they, you know, we're big, <laughs> you know? Um, so I've never really had any problem with, you know, I've, I mean, I've had animals come at me. I had to kick and stuff like that. But as long as you keep your cool and don't panic, you know, they're just little creatures, you know? <laughs> just, you know, just want them away and... They'll go off and do their own thing, you know, hurt their feelings, and they'll crawl away. We are big people, some of us bigger than others, too. Yeah, it, you know, <laughs> yeah. you got to think about it. We're scary to those those things. I mean, we're, you know, we're, 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 we're a, they were apex predator, you know, except we're like we're the brown bears, maybe not. Or, but, you know what I mean? It's uh, So you just can't be, you can't go into it thinking, being scared of everything. Because once you start being scared, whether it's an animal or you're in the river swimming, you get scared, you panic, you die. Panic yep. kills you. That's yep. what kills you. Yeah. You know, um, and it's it, you just you have to learn how to control your panic. And if it's a mm-hmm. possum hissing at you, you know, just learn how to control your panic. It's a possum. You know, he weighs three pounds. You <laughs> know, um, you just have to control it. That's all. Um, and you know, it just makes it a lot easier. <laughs> and you don't drown. You know? Yeah. When you're in the river swimming or, you know, metal detecting and you step in a hole. Um, so that's a big thing that I try to – I probably should talk more about that in my videos. And I have. It's, you know, the, that panic factor uh, is what will get you into trouble every time, you know. Especially in the water. I don't want – especially in the water, yeah. you know. And I had a bad experience a few years ago with that, and, uh, you know, I started panicking. And, I, you know, I would have drowned if I would have not kept my cool. And I was able to keep my cool, and I made it, and I went and I learned how to swim. <laughs> I couldn't swim. Man. You know what I mean? Across the river, I didn't know how to swim. I figured I could just make it. <laughs> and uh, so I taught myself how to swim that summer. And now, you know, I'm not a strong swimmer, but, you know, I can stay afloat. 
and uh, you know strong enough that I could do the diving and stuff, pass all that. But if I had panicked at that time, I would be dead today. You know, I had a metal detector on me. I'm a digging back full of stuff, and you know, I started panicking, and I I could see that I was going to drown. And I just said, don't panic. Stop. Stop. Just stop it. Don't panic. And you know, the calmness came over me, and I was able to stay afloat long enough to get to shore. And from that day on, you know, I've learned that you, you just you can't panic. Don't panic when you're in the water. Don't panic when there's some little creature hissing at you. You know, just you know, hold, you know, stand your ground, and um, you know, just just take it as it comes. You know, don't fight it. Yep. You know, I mean, we might have got off track a little bit, but you know, that's. That's part of, you know, everything we have to deal with when we're out metal detecting. You know, whether it's, like you said, it's in the water or you're, you know, you get some fox coming after you, uh, whatever. I mean, or storms, you know. I go digging with people when, when we're in the kayaks and the storm's off in the distance and they start panicking. And they're just like, they're going to kill themselves trying to get back to the vehicle. And I'm like, stop. <laughs> just stop. You know, you might get wet. That's okay. You know, but, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to kill yourself trying to get trying to make it to the truck before the rain starts. I mean, why? You know, but we're taught not to get wet. We're taught to be afraid of storms. We're taught to be afraid of this and afraid of, but you know, we we need to become one with nature. You know, that sounds kind of corny, but um you know, No, you're right. You're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, you can't you don't fight it. You can't fight nature. You know, and I think that that with. I think that comes out in your videos too. Uh, you know, be it metal detecting or or whether you're looking at plants or animals or whatever. You know, you're introducing people to an environment that they're not normally in, and I think that that's good. Right. We all have our yeah. uh, favorite videos that we uh, mm-hmm. have done. Is there one special one that you did? Uh, a certain subject matter or something that uh, is really your favorite? Uh, you know, I think probably one of my favorite videos is one I did last summer when I went to the Apache Cave out in Arizona. And uh, I went, I mean, it was just exploring video in the desert of Arizona. And, uh, you know, that's something I had been wanting to do for a decade, to go to that place and find it. But I was never able to find it in the old days, but, but you know, with the internet now, but I was able to figure it out. And I did, you know, a couple videos of that. And that was, that's probably my favorites because, you know, it's, it was, you know, just a lot of history there and a lot of, a lot of bad things, a lot of bad juju. And, uh, but it was just a wonderful trip. It's a beautiful trip by myself on the desert. And, um, so that was probably my favorite, I think. Not my most popular. But for me, it was my favorite. No, I'd say your most popular is uh, the hoard of silver coins that you found, isn't it? Yeah, it seems to be. That's what people know me. That's how people know me is through that video. Generally speaking, you know, when I meet someone, that's what they say. Yeah. I mean, it's not the my video with the most views, probably by far. Um, but that that's the one that they say you know hooked them or whatever, which. Um, I'm just glad I had my camera with me that day and turned it on. That was before I was doing a lot of videos, you know. I didn't carry my camera every day. It was like, you know, I just brought it. So, um, But, yeah, that's probably the one that most people know me for. Also, uh, I've seen the video uh, where you went out in Arizona. I mean, that was that was a great video. I liked it. I mean, 
course, it took you a long ways to hike up to the, uh, is it a cave that goes back in there, or is it just a big overhang? Uh, it's more of an overhang. I mean, they call them caves, um, but it's it's a big overhang where that would stay dry year-round. And you know, mm-hmm. get tired of the weather, but it's just a big, more like a rock shelter. Uh, and that's pretty much what they have in that area, those big yeah. rock shelters. Bill McDougall. What was that? Asked a question no, in, go, go in uh, Bill McDougall asked a question in the chat and wanted to know, had you ever done any water hunting in Kentucky? And if you had, had you done any good? You know, I, I can't think of any place in Kentucky that I've been. I've been to Kentucky and looked at the water, but I don't know if I've actually ever been in the water in Kentucky. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I, I can't, I can't say that I have, but I, I might have, I don't know. Talk a little bit about water there. Yeah, yeah, we've got a lot of water here, and and uh, mm-hmm. we've got a lot of history here as well. Talk a little oh, bit about no, no, no. your uh, your the trip or trips that you've made to England, metal detecting with various people there. Well, I've gone over to England uh, quite a bit uh, um, over the past maybe ten years or so. I've done a, a, several of the different tours. And that's the easiest way to go if you want to go to England and actually do some metal detecting is to join a tour uh, because those you know, the people that run them will rent out these good places. Basically, they run a farm. You know, they give the farm, you know, the farm, just like they do here for the, you know, the relic hunts that they do. You know, they'll rent a farm for a season or whatever, and again, they bring groups of people there. Uh, and so you get really good sites if you go on a tour, uh, you know, good farms to go on. And... Uh, um, so I, yeah, I would highly recommend that you do that if you go over there and detect. Now, some people would just wing it. You know, they'll go over there and rent a little camper and go, I have friends that do that. But it's a lot harder to get permission, you know. Um, but, yeah, I've been going over, I've probably gone over there 15, 20 times uh, over the years, found lots of, I mean, tons of Roman stuff in England. There's a lot of Roman relics and Celtic relics, and I found you know, lots of silver coins and quite a few gold coins. Uh, over there, you know, Celtic gold coins from like 50 BC. Um, so, you know, just so much history over there that, you know, thousands of years of using metal that's in the ground. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So, England's a great trip. I mean, I, I recommend everyone to give that a shot at some point. It spoils you because you come back and you're like, you don't want to go digging for a month. <laughs> you know, you're over there digging that old thing because you never know. You might be digging a Roman, you know, Roman gold coin or a Celtic gold coin, you know, and you see those coming out of yeah, the how, ground, you know? how does that work? Uh, you find it and you have to leave it with uh, the archaeologist and if they decide they want it, yeah, the they way keep that works it or how is, does well, the way that works is um, there's there's kind of two separate laws that you're dealing with there. There's there's one law, the antiquity law, that's the 200 year time frame. Um, but if you want to take something out of the country, like back to the U.S., it's a 50 year um, time frame. So if you find something 50 years old and you want to bring it back to the U.S., you have to run it through. Uh, it's you know it's a government program. Um, uh, I can't remember what they call it now, but it's a government program. They 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 keep it. They catalog everything, and uh, your tour operator will send just mail it back to you with an export license. Um, okay. And that's stuff from World War II. You got to do that with. But like the old stuff, what they do is the archaeologists, the government archaeologists, uh, 
they look at it, they'll write up reports on everything. So it's really cool when it, when it's done right. I mean, every piece that I have, every gold coin or silver coin or button, it'll have a report that I am the finder, where it was found, what it is, how old it is, pictures of it. So I get this document for every relic that I have that's over 200 years old from England. So it's worth the wait. You know, it could take a couple months to get it back, but you pretty much get everything back. Now, if the if a, if a museum over there wants to keep something, or if you find something that's just so fabulous that it's a piece of English history they just don't want to leave the country, uh, the government has the option of buying it from you. And what they do is they get, uh, I think, three to five quotes or something on the value of any item that you might have, and uh, you get half of the money, and the landowner gets the other half. That's only if it's something okay. they want to keep. That's a pretty good deal, doing so, it like that. For the most, yeah. I've never had anything that um, – um, well, I've donated a few things, but I've never found anything that, you know, they just they said, you can't leave the country. Um, I have had friends that have had that happen to. Um, but, you know, I've, I've had museums, like smaller museums, say, we would like to have this for a display. Uh, you know, we'll give you 20 bucks for it or 50 bucks for it or whatever. Would you consider it? And I'll say, just keep it. Send me a certificate, you know. So – I got nice certificates from like the British Museum thanking me for the donation of such and such an artifact. Um, so I've done that on occasion, but for the most part, you get everything back. They yeah. don't care that you know they don't care about Roman coins and stuff unless it's something you know just unique. Chris Hamsall mm-hmm. said that uh, Relic Recoverist said it would be two to three months before she would get her UK fines back after she turned them in. So I guess that's kind of standard. Hey guys, we're coming up on we're coming up on a uh, hard break, and uh, we'll be back in about two minutes. If your passion is metal detecting, then you know how much your success is based on the equipment you use. Let my buddy Tim Henderson of Murray Branch Outdoors in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, help you with that. Tim is an authorized dealer of Garrett. XP Deus, Tesoro, and Micro Detectors and Supplies. He also carries a variety of aftermarket coils. Murray Branch Outdoors is not only competitive in their prices, but the service after the sale is second to none. You know, we've all experienced those situations where we purchase a new detector and then we get out in the field and we have questions about settings or operation of that particular detector. Well, i tell you what, with your purchase from Murray Branch Outdoors, you're also going to get Tim's personal cell phone number. That's right, his own cell phone number, and you're just a quick phone call away from getting answers to those questions. Now try that with some chain store purchase of a detector. Murray Branch Outdoors also deals in used detectors, and he'll give you top dollar for your trade-in whenever you decide to upgrade. So give Tim of Murray Branch Outdoors a call at 615-948-4611 and tell him Relics Radio said hey. And I may have cut you off there a while ago, uh, Bo. If I did, I'm sorry. Uh, no, huh? But I had said that uh, Relic Recoverist uh, said it'd be two or three months before she got her fines in, or that's what Chris Hamsoff said. 
And uh, were you going to elaborate on that any? Well, yeah, I mean, I can. I mean, it, it depends a lot on the, you know, the archaeologist and how busy they are. I mean, I've been on tours when I've been in the relics in like four weeks, and I've been on tours where it's taken, you know, six months uh, because, you know, they're this, they're, the government archaeologists have to look at this stuff, and it just depends on how busy their office is. So it can vary. Well, I, yeah, I, you know, you said that uh, depends on how old it is and, and how spectacular a find it is and everything. Hey, guys, the lines are open. If you want to call in and ask uh, Aqua Chigger a question, our number is 270-495-0315. And uh, Tennessee Jeff has put the number in again. If you've got a question for Bo, we'll uh, uh, give it a shot here. This is your opportunity to, to talk to him. Out of everything that, uh, and you've found so many things, but could you name your best single find? No. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The way you said it, I can. My wife. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay. Usually there people, you go. Usually people say, what's your best relic? And then I can't say my wife because, well, you know. Oh, yeah, relic. yeah, yeah. You're going to get uh, in trouble yeah, there. Yeah, I'm sure the wife. <laughs> uh, no, you know, I don't have any single thing that uh, I covet more than others, uh, but one of the my favorite things to find are ID discs from the Civil War. You know, the disc with the badges with the soldier's name on it where they'll often have their their hometown and the battles they've been in and things like that. Uh, that's probably my favorite class of things to find. And out of that mm-hmm. class, I do have one that, you know, my, my first one, which is probably my favorite. I mean, I guess if I could only keep one thing in my collection, it would probably be that ID disc, my first one I found. Um, not the most valuable thing I have, but it's probably the one thing I would keep. And, you know, I think that yeah. uh, we're all asked that question if we're a guest on uh, mm-hmm. somebody's uh, podcast or, or uh, right. YouTube live or Facebook live. And I know that mine is a relic that was personal. I can tie it to an individual. Yours is a relic that you can tie to an individual. Not the right. most valuable thing that we found. But it is the personality or the personal touch of that relic that that makes it special to us, and I know that right. Jeff has got some of those like that too, you know. Yeah, like yeah. The, the gold ring I just found, and then. It... Well, I've cut everybody off. I'm sorry for that. We got a caller in. Let me call you back, okay? All right. I mean, or a name or anything like that. I mean, it is a great find. Are you still on here, Bo? But, uh, yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, I was... Uh, I- I've just been quiet until I get a question. Well, we, <laughs> we, had, a, we had a call in, and uh, I clicked the wrong thing and, and put y'all on hold for oh. just a minute. I'm still learning. I'm still just a redneck with a metal detector, <laughs> you know. <laughs> we all are, man. We're all still learning. Yeah. I mean, if the day you say I'm an expert and I'm done learning, I mean, you're you know those people are morons. You know? Yeah, they something's wrong with them. That's right. It is. I mean, you can when someone says they're an expert, you can just turn your head and walk away. 
because they're not. Because yeah. you can never know everything. And, and the day you quit trying to learn more is, you know, you're just hanging up. You're done. Yeah. I mean, your career's <laughs> over. Well, I cut, know, um, I cut the caller off, so uh, why don't you call back in, and I'll hit the right button this time. I'll add you to the call instead of answering the call or add you to the group. There we go. <laughs> Uh, now we've got one coming in. Let me add it to the group, and we'll see who we've got. Now, see how easy that is whenever you do it right? Who we got on the line? <laughs> hey, this is Dennis Digger. How you doing, Seven? I'm doing great. You got a question for Aqua Chigger? Yes, sir, I do. I think I have the million-dollar question. Uh-oh. What was in the box? Uh-oh. Oh, the box. What's in the box? <laughs> You know, I forgot all about that. I'm like, I was out in the field metal attacking later that day. And I forgot the box. <laughs> uh, it, was actually, it was actually some, uh, it was a uh, home, it was a home uh, remedy type of, uh, what I'm trying to think of, uh, medicine for uh, poison, my poison ivy problem. Oh, uh, okay. What? Well, that was, that was oh. in there. Yeah, so I actually well, did use good. it on po- some poison ivy, so, but that's what was in the box. <laughs> did it work? Yeah, yeah. I, had some po- I actually had some poison ivy around my chest that I got afterwards, and uh, it seemed to work okay, yeah. Quit itching. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you, sir. I appreciate what you do, and I just want to call in and just hound you about that one. So thank you very much, sir. I appreciate- <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. I really do. Hey, thanks for the call. Thanks, Kevin. Sorry that I cut thank you, you off. Thank you, Kevin. Okay, thank you. Yep. Uh, uh, History Seekers is in. Uh, Heath, I guess, is uh, the one that's in on that. <clears throat> Ohio Relic Hunter is in. There's probably some come in that uh, that I forgot, but uh, phone lines are still open. If uh, you've got a question for Bo, the number is 270-495-0315, and I promise I'll add you to the group and not cut everybody else off this time. <laughs> uh, Bo, I had a question. uh what in between Civil War, Revolutionary War, War of eighteen? I mean, do you really like hunting uh, Revolutionary War and uh, uh, relics? Prefer? I mean, which one do you prefer more, Civil War, or War of eighteen twelve, Revolutionary? Well, you know, to be honest, where I live, it's mostly just Civil War. There's very little mm-hmm. uh, activity as far as eighteen twelve and the Rev War. I mean, there's some stuff here, but it's mostly just you know, colonial, uh, the, the older homes where the soldiers came back to. Um, so I'm pretty much stuck in the Civil War stuff here, uh, but mm-hmm. I really like to find colonial stuff. I like uh, finding old colonial home sites and searching them. That's prob- probably more so than rel- you know, Civil War stuff now, um, probably. Or at least it's right on this, you know, right at that level. In fact, I was out uh, just, couple of days, maybe yesterday, the day before, with uh, Relic Recoverers, you know, Jocelyn, Elizabeth, and uh, we found a mm-hmm. uh, brand new uh, colonial home site, and we got large scents, and, you know, a bunch of large scents and flat buttons, and that was just so much fun, you know, because, you ne- again, you never know what you're going to find at those sites. And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's even par with Civil War easy. Uh, in, my, in that time, it's actually, I would prefer to hunt colonial. We got another. Yeah, that's a seven in our uh, seven. Out. We prefer colonial sites. Well, it's kind so we of. We got another caller, seven. Yeah, we got another caller. Who we got on the line? Uh, this is Mike Clutter, Missouri Mike. Hey, Missouri Mike. Hey, what's, what's going, going on, Mike? man? No, I'm doing good. 
getting a lot of rain here in Missouri right now, so the water in the creeks are up. I got a couple questions for Bo. Okay. Sure. Go ahead. Uh, kind of wondering what kind of boat is that that you have? Uh, I know it's got a, what's got an internal motor on it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's called a Mokai. That's the company that makes it. It's M O K A I, I believe, which is kind of a you know fancy little name for motorized kayak. And they're made up in uh, I think up in New York State. And uh, they're it's basically a kayak type boat with a uh, a motor. The older ones had Honda motors. The newer ones have um, um, I want to say Subaru motors, but a little seven like seven and a half horse here. Seven and a half horsepower motors, uh, and has with it drives a little jet drive. So you know you don't have to worry about the prop or anything, and you go bounce over rocks and stuff like that, no problem at all. Uh, but yeah, so it's got a little motor in it. You can you know it's really easy to pick up in and out. Um, but it's called a mokai. Yeah, they're pretty cool. They're a lot of fun, and uh, they'll get you places that no other boat will. So it's, yeah. it's how long have you had that? Me. I picked uh, up a couple used ones about two years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually drove down to Florida to get them, and um, so I've had them. I think going on two years, maybe three. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's uh, they're a lot of fun. But more importantly for me, I can get to places that you know I can't get to with the average boat. And you know, kayaking, of course, you're very limited. You can only go so right. far in a kayak in a day. With with this thing. You can zip out, you know, 40, 20 miles out, 20 miles back, no problem at all. Um, so, yeah, they're awesome little boats. I, I really like them all. Yeah. What's the cost on one of those approximately? What was that? What's the cost on one approximately? About oh, how much you they know, cost? Um, you know, the brand new ones, which are like, uh, well, this was a year ago last time I looked. They're like, uh, you know what? I can't even tell you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say 5,500, but a lot more than that, I think. Um, I'm not sure. You'd have to look it up. Again, I bought mine used. Um, they're a lot more than 5,500. Yeah, they're a little more like, yeah. I don't know. You have to look it up. But they're, they're not cheap, uh, but they're not that expensive either when you get down to it, you know, if, you know, if you're going to be using it. I got uh, one more question for you, Bo. I know around here we've got a lot of the National Riverway, Scenic Riverways and things. Do you have that out where you're at? And do you have oh, any well, trouble yeah, have, whenever you're on the rivers there? Like, you know, do they do they have any restrictions on those kind of parts uh, in the National Scenic Riverway area and stuff like that? Well, not necessarily. Um, but let me just say this, that every state has their own laws, okay? Every state is different, every single state. And they can be very different. The interpretations of their their own laws can be just all over the board. Um, so that's, you know, people ask me that all the time. It's uh, so hard to answer that question. Um, I can tell you like in Virginia, you can get a permit and you can go in state waters. Well, what are state waters? Well, there's not really not that many state waters. Um, you know, certain creeks are private. I mean, I can take my mokai up in, but they're private, you know, and it's really hard to find a lot of information on them. Um, Right. So I, you know, I try to I shy away from trying to get in discussions about various states because you can go and talk. The game warden is a guy you need to talk to. They're the ones that enforce those laws. And if they look at you and say, "Huh," well, then you're probably okay to go. You know what I mean? 
I, you know, because right. uh, they're the ones that are going to come out and arrest you if you don't belong there. It's always the state, yeah. the state people. It's not, it's not federal or anything like that. Most waterways now, Tennessee is different. You got the Tennessee Valley Authority. They're, they're really bad. I mean, you can't dig in their mm-hmm. waters at all. You know, so again, there's another. You know, that's an exception, <laughs> and that goes for like a lot of their waters. So that's why I try to. I try to steer away from that discussion because I don't know all the laws for everywhere. And the game runs right. don't either. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That answer your question? Kind of? It sure does. You know, yeah, I appreciate okay, you. I, appreciate and, uh, I love watching your videos. So, hey, keep up the good well, work. And, hey, Mike. Uh, thanks. thanks for the I'll call. I'll get off here. Or, you know, yeah, I'll get off here and let somebody else call. Yeah, thanks for the call. We've got another caller on uh, as well. Who we got? This is Chris Himesoff. Hey, Chris Himesoff. What's going on hey, out in Missouri? Going, well, we're hopefully going to have a little bit of weather coming our way here for the weekend. Mm-hmm. What, That's uh, over, I think. <laughs> have you got a question for uh, Aqua Chigger? Sure do. First, I wanted to tell him thanks a lot. Um, he got me talking to buying an AT Pro waterproof in my little Garrett pinpointer before they had the Garrett carrot and taught me the, to double sock my boots, which man, I've been fishing creeks all my life. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of double socking my boots. That was worth its weight in gold right there. But well, we all learned by doing. Yo, I didn't. I had to learn by watching. <laughs> <laughs> See, I learned I learned the double sock thing too from him, and then I was like, "Man, why didn't why didn't I think of this?" And I mean, it wasn't rocket science. And I was like, "Man, he comes up with the neatest stuff." And then I mean, it's like it works very well. So yeah. it was kind of crazy. <laughs> I felt stupid. I was like, "Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so simple." <laughs> you know, and that's and that's the funny thing too is you know, um, you know some of the things that I think are just everyone knows, you know, you find out that they don't. <laughs> you know, it's like the like every you know when you get your metal detectors right, and you got the little battery compartment, and uh, they have that little tab in there. You know, it took me forever to figure out why that tab was in there, and then one day it dawned on me. You know, you put your batteries on top of the tab, so when you have to unload, you can just grab the tab and pull it, and mm-hmm. all the batteries come popping out, okay? I made a video on that, and everyone was like, oh, my God, that's what those tabs are for. No one knows. <laughs> you know, most people I knew that you know? one. You know, I felt stupid, but, I mean, half half the people didn't know that either. So it just goes to show you that we're all in the same boat together. We're all learning together, you know, so... Um, you know, I'll share what I can try to figure out. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But, you know, you don't feel stupid about anything because we're all kind of stupid at times. <laughs> oh, sure, you appreciate that. Your, yeah. your uh, aid videos where you're showing what you're doing and your kind of reviews of your shovels and all that was really good. Yeah. What I was going to ask you about was, I know you find a lot of phones and cameras. Do you have a return item story that's kind of one of your favorites that you're like man you know i'll never forget that when i was able to bring this to that back to somebody um i have some bad experiences that i remember very clearly uh well no, tell I, mean, us, I, you know, tell I return us stuff but uh huh tell us one of your bad experiences then. well you know the thing is with returning stuff 
is you know you get there's a lot of good people that are very thankful you know i've I've got you know i never ask for any money or anything but quite often they'll give me a gift card to a restaurant or something like that and that's nice and um you know and i appreciate that but you know when you find some things uh people i i don't know if it's because they don't want to thank you (laughs) but they're rude I mean, I found a briefcase uh, nearby one time. It had a bunch of personal paperwork in there, like discharge papers from the Army and stuff. And um, I got the guy's number out of it and called him and told him I found it in the creek. And next thing I know, the sheriff's at my house. And mm. this guy called the sheriff and said, you know, he, someone had broken into his house and stolen all his stuff. So he called the sheriff for me and said, you guys got my stuff, man. Go down to his house. That's where he lives. So I'm expecting this guy to come down here, shake my hand, say thank you, and I go to sheriff, like, you know, uh, son, we need to talk. <laughs> you know, where'd you get that? So I had to clear myself, you know, and I'm sitting here thinking, boy, I should have just left it there, you know. Um, but those are the kind of bad experiences. You can, everyone's going to have them. I mean, you get them, you know. Um, when you find stuff like that, especially stolen stuff, uh, the police have to clear you as a suspect. Um they do. I mean, I understand it, but it's unpleasant when it's when you're going through it. When you think you're just a good Samaritan, you know, doing the good thing and the right thing, but then you realize that my God, I have, I'm having to, uh, I'm having to clear myself of this crime. You know, telling, you know, convince these people I didn't take it, steal it, and want yeah. to reward. You know, um, so this, this is a this is a dark side to returning stuff too. And it has tempered my uh, return policy to a certain extent. I mean, I try to oh, I'm sure it has. I can, but I mean, I do not go out of my way, especially when I, you know, look them up on Google and they have, you know, prison records and stuff. I'm like, oh, forget it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Dropping a mailbox or something. But I think I've done that where it's like, you know, I, I don't think I want to talk to this guy. I don't want him to know where I live, you know, and um, I hate to say it, but, you know, I've had some bad experiences like that. Um, so sorry to be well, sorry to be a bummer, you know, <laughs> a downer. But uh, yeah, that can, that happens. I'll well, get off and let somebody else get on. Thanks again, Bo. Hey, thanks sorry. for the well, call, thank Chris. You so much, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the call, Bo. Uh, one other question that I had, out of uh, of course, you found so many different things, uh, more numerous really to mention. But is there that one white? Whale that you just can't find, and you think that you should have, or you want to. You know, I, I would probably have to go with a you know a solid one hundred percent Whitworth bullet. Uh, Whitworth bullets, Civil War bullets, you know, sniper bullets. Um, they're not that uncommon, uh, but I've never found mm-hmm. one. You know that I can say is definitely a Whitworth bullet. Um, that's probably yeah. the the most. The easiest one I should be able to find. Oh, and a U.S. base bullet. I don't think I've ever found one of those. I don't think. That's yeah. su- that's surprising. Yeah, to they're me. common. Yeah, they are. Well, yeah. they're not really in our area, but uh, over yeah. in your area, they are, uh, and in Virginia and what have you, they are very common over there. Uh, in places they are for sure, but I don't I don't think I've ever found a U.S. Don't quote me on that one. But Whitworth for sure. So, yeah. That's my white whale, I guess. It's not a very big whale, but it's a white whale. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, we've all got those things that, uh, you know, we probably should have found and just haven't found them yet. Yeah. And uh, any yep. of us that you talk yep. to, you know, we got uh, – and it would be a surprise if most of you know what the one thing that we think we should have found and we haven't, you know, because uh, you'd think, you hadn't found one of those? Well, I've got one of those, you know. Yeah, yeah. I've got 12 of them. What do you mean you hadn't found one? <laughs> exactly. So, um, on the – I seen you uh, had a lot of axe heads. Now mm-hmm. you keep all your axe heads, don't you? Yeah, I keep the majority of them. Uh, you know, sometimes you'll find them where they're just so rotten that there's nothing you can do with them. But for the most part, mm-hmm. I try to keep them and preserve them. Yeah, I have hundreds. Yeah, I mean that's. Of course, I try to keep all mine, and then I mean, like you said, there's some of them just so far gone and i mean they're busted yeah. up but i mean and it's nice when you can uh like repurpose something so mm-hmm. i've seen you uh you've done a few of that so oh yeah yeah I'll, I'll do that. that yeah it's, it's fun to be able to go up there and swing an axe that you know is 200 years old you know axe head um it's kind of you mm-hmm. know it gets a good feeling you know a nice old hand forged axe and you're out there chopping your wood and uh yeah it, uh, i definitely do that yeah. So the famous creek hole that had all the solid shot, I guess it was, was it World War Two or World War One? Uh, yeah. World Shells War in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you, do you think you have all them out? No. No, okay. I, I don't. <laughs> okay. I don't. All right. It's actually, a big, it's actually a big log jam right where a lot of them were. And I'm kind of like, every year i got to wait for this log jam to go away. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's gone this year, but there'll be some more under that for sure. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you're next. You hunt with, uh, you got to just go detecting, don't you, most of the time on your rally hunt? I, well, I've been. I've been. I don't go every time, but, you know, I've been to a number of them. Yeah. And the DIV, so, uh, you know, I, I, I haven't gone yeah. recently, but, yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, Talk this, of, uh, next hunt at DIV, have you heard anything about where it's going to be? That DIV? No. Yeah. No, you know, I, I tell you, I'm not in that loop for people anymore. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, like I said, I haven't really been going on the, the big hunts. Um, mm-hmm. so uh, I've kind of lost touch with a lot of those guys. Um, yeah, so I just kind of just do my own thing, you know, I, I just kind of like to do my own thing sometimes. <laughs> yeah. The older I get, the more I do, I think. Like just being up yeah. with myself, you know. Gary Heckman's got a question, uh, for you as well. And he said, do you think that a rifle could move down river in a fast current? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, anything with wood or cloth on it uh, could easily be moved down the river uh, during floods. Um, you know, bullets, shells, I don't think move more than inches or, you know, um, with a tip of, in a typical river. Uh, but, yeah, the, the bigger, bulkier things like that, sure, absolutely, they can get picked up and be carried away, um, I, I, I would guess. And that could be, you know, cartridge box that had the leather and you know the, on it. I'm sure that could get hooked up and stuff and drug down the river for ways. Um, but and yeah, so I think a rifle would. Although I don't know how far they'd go. Well, found rifles right the crossings were, so they didn't go off very far at all. But 
I think it's possible for something like that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, whenever it was originally dropped, say you got a Civil War soldier that uh, drops a rifle in the river or some for some reason, it would probably float quite a ways, you know, when it was first dropped. But then as that wood deteriorates and rots off, then it would probably yeah. lodge somewhere and then probably not move much after that. You agree? Yeah, I suspect I suspect the rifles don't go very far um, at all because you know I don't I mean I don't know I guess they could go further but I suspect they don't go far I know the bullets don't the heavy stuff like that and Heath I mean, won't you see him just laying on a rock you know Heath wanted me to ask you what you think about uh, Steve Phillips' method of disarming and preserving shells. Um, yeah, I mean, he does a great job with them. I've been down to his place and seen it, and you now he's done videos on it. Um, yeah, that's pretty much, I think, standard procedure for someone who is, uh, who does that. You know, you always do it remotely like he does, and I don't know how else you would do it, really. <laughs> Other than, you know, you don't want to, you know, hunker over it with a drill in your hand. I mean, he does it right. Um is there another right way? I, I don't know. I can't think of any I, other way that you would do yeah. it, you know, unless you want to take your life into your hands. I hunt with a guy yeah, that yeah, uh, yeah. several years ago, a fellow that uh, had a house that was, it was there and probably built in the 1850s. And it was there during the Civil War. And they went to dig out and put a swimming pool in. And this fellow asked if he could come and metal detect whenever they uh, took the top layer of sod and everything off. And they told him, yeah. And he went and he found two mortar rounds and he throwed them in the trunk of his car, rode around with them for about a month or so. And then finally told somebody that he had them, you know, and the guy said, well, you, you know, I collect those. Uh, would you sell them? He said, I'm not really interested in them. He said, I'd just give them to you. And so the guy got them out and he said, these are still alive, you know, and he rode around for yeah. a couple of months with them in the trunk. But that's not a job that I want uh, disarming one of those. Yeah. Well, well, let me just say this, um, you know, since you're talk, talking about it, I mean, there's almost no danger of a Civil War shell going off, pulling around in your trunk. Um, now, there is one particular type of fuse called the Tice fuse that, they, you know, in theory could be a problem, uh, but there's no danger. The black powder has to have a spark or flames to go off. It's not like the more modern shells where... Um, you can actually just bump them and they go off because it, you know, more modern shell is using these fancy chemicals and the crystals grow in them and they become very unstable. And if you, you know, if you move mm -hmm. it and the crystal cracks, it could blow up. Black powder is not like that. I mean, you have to have a spark or a a flame. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can throw them, bang them, and they're not going to go off. It's people get in yeah. trouble when they're drilling into them because they mm -hmm. got a, a drill and they're you know the hot bit going down into them if they're not doing it like steve phillips does remotely with water uh you can have a problem and people get killed doing that uh, it's very uncommon for anything to happen but it can certainly happen but you know i always equate it to i did a video on this when you know when you have a shell it's it's really no different than having a, a propane canister that you would use camping from walmart you know you could throw that in your truck and let it roll around it's not going to blow up but if you take mm -hmm. a drill to it, is the chance it's going to blow up? Um, is the you know, I don't know if that's a perfect example, but it's a I think a very true example. Propane you know cylinder from Walmart 
and a shell. It's about the same thing um, as far as the danger. They're not going to blow up on you unless you you know, put a propane cylinder next to the fireplace, you know, where it gets really hot. Yeah, you could have problems. Uh, drill into it, sure, you can have problems, you know what I mean? But, you know, you can throw it across the yard and it's not going to blow up. Yeah, I've seen your video where you've done the gunpowder test. Uh, you've got some gunpowder out of the shells. And then, of course, I mean, you could see a lot of the gunpowder didn't light. Yeah. So, I mean, that now, was a some, great video. Uh, yeah, and some shells, though, don't get me wrong, can have very active gunpowder, especially if they have, like, the, the Navy shells or the water cap fuses. It can have very good gunpowder in it still, but it's not going to explode unless it gets a spark or a flame or there's a certain type of fuse that um, you know would, it goes off if you bang it. And, you know, I don't know if there's ever been anybody blown up by one of those fuses since probably, you know, shortly after the war. But people do get blown up when they're drilling into them. So that's the danger. Mm-hmm. They're going to start messing with them like that. Gary Heckman wanted me to ask you uh, about drilling down through the rope fuse with a hand drill. Uh, you know, I tell you, I, I would not drill a shell with a hand drill. Okay, uh, I have a couple <laughs> theories behind that that I don't know how you know how true there, but you know you're going down through a, a fuse and that and that's fine. And you're probably not going to be sparking or anything like that. But guess what? Okay, when black powder decomposes along with moisture in the iron of the body of the shell, it creates gases. Okay, explosive gases. So you're drilling into this thing, and a lot of these shells, especially if you do it when they're warm or hot and sitting in the sun, they'll hiss. They'll go, and the gas will come flying out of it, okay? So you got this explosive gas flying out of the shell into the windings of your electric drill that's in your hand, okay? So you're basically spraying propane into the windings of your electric drill. And if you ever looked at an electric drill, you see it sparking like crazy all the time. So that's mm-hmm. a danger there. I don't know if it'll make the shell explode. People told me it won't. Um, but, you know, who knows for sure. You're going to get a fireball, <laughs> you know. Um, but I would not I would not even do that. I think what he was talking about on that may have been just one of the uh, mechanical hand drills. Well, it's still, it's, I mean, it's a drill. I mean, I don't think you're going to have to worry about a spark, but you're still puncturing into a a vessel, basically, it's a probing canister where it has high-pressure explosive gas in it from the decomposition of the black powder with the water in the iron. So that thing's full. A lot of these things are full of highly pressurized explosive gases that have developed over the years. So when you punch a hole in there, whether it's with a drill or just taking you know, a screwdriver, I mean, you're going to have this... You know, this gas comes out of it, and it sounds like a rocket taking off. That's explosive gases. So, you know, sounds to me know. like that. Sounds to me like a couple of rednecks don't try, don't need to try and disarm <laughs> one of them. Well, yeah. We need to, <laughs> we need to leave that to the professionals. Yeah, I mean, you could probably do a thousand of them and be okay, but a thousand and one, well, you might lose your hand or a chunk of your skull. You know, it's just you know you're. You're playing with a propane cylinder, basically, when you're when you're doing that. Yeah. So it's just a matter how much you want to, how much you want to take your chances. Propane cylinder, put it under water, drill it remotely. You know the gas is going to come out, and you're done. I mean, 
I've shot plenty of those propane cylinders. Heck, you can hardly get them to explode. Usually they just shoot the, you know, the, the, you know, getting the propane up in the air. And if you don't have planes out there that don't get blown out, I mean, they just, it just, just gas dissipates. Um, so chances are, shell is going to do the same thing. But, you know, if you have that candle there that doesn't get blown out, well, you're going to have a giant fireball. Your face is going to be in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's not a good situation. Don't mess to with be that in. stuff, guys. Yeah, yeah, don't mess with that stuff. You have it done by someone that knows what they're doing, and uh, you know, you can take your chances. You might be okay, but then again, you might not. You know, and if you're lucky, it'll kill you. And if you're not, you'll, you know, maybe you wish you were dead if you're missing out. <laughs> yeah, dismembered that, somehow. That happens to people. That happens to people. You know, it's like, guy, you know, maybe it would have been better if it just killed them. Um, so you got to. Yeah. I'm like uh, the gentleman that was in uh, New York that uh, was uh, disarming one. Uh, of course, I'd seen the documentary about it. It was, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, he was disarming one. And I couldn't find out, I mean, it exploded and killed him. And then next thing you know, his house was full of old, unexploded Civil War shells. And luckily, the whole house didn't go up. So, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you have those shells in your house and it, your house catches on fire, I mean, those can explode, mm-hmm. and you know, they start cooking off. The fire department's going to let your house burn down. Yeah, if they know. Oh, you yeah, have those things in it, they're going to let your house burn down. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. So you got to be really. You don't want to keep those things in your house if they're not disarmed. I'm like uh, Jason Quarterhorder. I'd be afraid to try and open up a twenty-two bullet. And Bill Hayes, he gave the uh, he gave the classic redneck comment there. Said, "Hold my beer and watch this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've chewed the I've chewed the bullets off of twenty-twos before, and you know you like them and they pop. <laughs> when I was a kid, <laughs> you know, when I was uh, I'd had a thirty-thirty uh, round when I was a kid, and of course I was uh, been watching some kind of. Sh- and it, of course, I was trying to make it uh, like a uh, uh, flatter on the end, so I stuck it to the grinder. And here I was grinding the piece of lead off the tip of it, and the next thing I know, it got so hot in my hand. I mean, it burnt my hand. And then thinking back, I mean, it's a thousand wonders if it hadn't went off in my hand, but yeah. luckily it didn't. So, yep, you're a redneck. Yep, I was trying to make my own bullets. Deus Digger wanted me to ask you a question, uh, Bo. Yeah. Uh, if you think that National Park Civil War sites should be uh, detected to preserve that history that's rotting away. Um, well, no. Not not by the average detectorist that goes out there and does it. I mean, if it's done by the professionals that are mapping and, and doing all their stuff, uh, perhaps. You know, a good example of that is, you know, the uh, Little Bighorn Battlefield where, you know, um, people were detecting that and stuff, and but they didn't get everything. Of course, they had that fire out there, and they went out there with professionals, and they marked everything, and they rewrote the battle. They were able to rewrite what happened there based on the artifacts that were still in the ground that they were able to get, okay? And on these, you know, on the battlefield, I mean... I mean, we know a lot about what happened because more books are written on the Civil War than just about any other event. Uh, but no, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that. I mean, how would you do it? Even you know what I mean? 
Well, I agree with uh, you. The government doesn't have money to have every you know to go out there and, and put this on. I mean, they do it. I mean, I've been involved in like Noxie Battlefield mm-hmm. where they had local club come in and they they would do an area where they would mark and they would do their own digging and stuff. Um, you know, and I think it's good to do that. But to say we need to blanket these battlefields and get everything out of the ground. We don't have the technology that is going to be around 20 years from now that might tell a whole totally different story, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so leave that. I, I'm like, leave it, leave it there if we can, you know. Um, I, I agree not, to a certain know, extent. I think that uh, just open it up and just let ever Tom, Dick, and Harry with a metal detector go in there, I wouldn't be up for that. But I do uh, think that metal detectorists and archaeologists can work together. I've done a little bit of that. Oh, sure. And uh, where you document things, you know, and you can actually rewrite history whenever you pull those uh, relics out. You document where they're at, and then they begin to tell a story. But you need the archaeologist in there with you uh, on a right. deal like that. You don't just need to open it up and... and uh, uh, Deus Digger said, uh, or somebody said here, uh, Gary Heckman said, what's the difference in leaving it there in the ground or somebody getting it and putting it in their own private collection in a drawer or in a closet? You know, I'd rather leave it in the, in the, uh, in situ where it was, you know, where the battle was. Yeah. Well, that's going to tell yeah. a story. You know, that's, and that's, that's what history is all about is telling a story and figuring out what happened. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, there's certain things, buttons and whatnot, that you're going to lose. Um, but for the most part, you know, those things have been there for 155 years. And, you know, they're going to be there a while longer. It's not like we have to go out there and just get everything out of the ground. Um, that's the kind of way I feel about it. I really do. I like the Park Service. I think they're doing a wonderful job. I live on my property and- borders the Park Service, and I can go walk over there anytime I want on the park walk around, enjoy it, but, you know, I can't cross the fence on my private property because the guy will shoot me. But, I, you know, I've got thousands of acres of park I can go enjoy. So, you know, I'm happy when I hear that the government has bought up land for, uh, whether it be National Park, National Forest, or whatever, because I can go on it then. I can stand there where those soldiers stood, um, and I don't have to knock on somebody's door and say, can I please go out and stand in your field with my great-great-great-grandfather was shot? And they say, no, get the hell out of here because everybody wants to go stand out in that field. Well, park by the yeah. family. I can go out there and stand there, you know. So I, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in um, civil War preservation through, you know, purchasing these important battlefields, uh, so people can go out there, not metal attack, but can just go out there and enjoy them, and not have a subdivision or a Walmart or whatever go up instead, which I've seen so much of here in the Shenandoah Valley. You know, I've seen just beautiful trenches bulldozed for housing development that the park should have bought. You know, and I could go up there and look at these beautiful trenches, but they're gone. You know, there's houses on them now, so, um, yeah. Sorry if I'm... <laughs> I'll take another question. Everybody says everybody hates me now, right? No, no, I don't th- You know, there's, there's pros and cons. There's pros and cons both ways, and our guest next week is, uh, is going to be Sam Waters with uh, CWPPO. And what they do up in Ohio there is actually a sit well. What that stands for is Civil War uh, Pre- Preservation Project of Ohio, and uh, you know they you don't take any of the relics that you find, and it's actually a recovery of history there. And I like those kind of situations, you know. 
Of course, mm-hmm. you're going to have people that disagree with you, and you're going to have people that agree with you. There's pros and cons either yeah. way you look at it. Oh, there always is. There's always, you know, nothing is ever really black and white. Um, we just yeah. have to be comfortable I mean, in our stand, you know, where we where we fit in. The best part of it is just, I mean, finding it and documenting it. And, I mean, of course, like the hunt that you're talking about, Seven, I mean, that'll be a great hunt. I mean, it doesn't matter if you get to keep it or not. I mean, it's just, like I said, finding it and uh, turning it in and letting them document it. So. And like Missouri yeah, Max said. You know, Walmart goes up on it. Right. That's my problem is putting blacktop over it, putting a Walmart, putting a parking lot, or putting a – uh, me and Jeff a hunted bank. A, a bank. That's what I was fixing to say. Me and Jeff hunted a Civil War camp at a bank mm-hmm. is going in. They didn't, Now, they did let us come in there and hunt, but uh, there's still relics there that they're going to cover up that, uh, you know, for a generation or two will not be, uh, may never be, you know, to where somebody can pull up those relics or anything. But, you know, there's still stuff to uh, still stuff to find in places where we can hunt, so uh, we're fortunate in that way. We, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. We're an hour and 19 minutes into the show. Uh, don't have that much longer to go. If you've got a question for Bo, call 270-495-0315. Uh, while we've still got just a little bit of time left, and uh, we'll, we'll discuss uh, your concerns or your questions with him. Anything that uh, you think that we haven't touched on, Bo, that you uh, was wanting to? No, well, I think you pretty much covered. <laughs> hey, it's past my bedtime. <laughs> but it's like we almost eat thirty years. It's been dark for hours. My brain shutting down. You know, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do tomorrow. Where I'm going to relic hunting already. So you're going to have to ask the questions. I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been sitting here. Of course, uh, my wife was supposed to have been home earlier, and I'm sitting here babysitting eight, uh, my seven-month-old. And, of course, he was in there crying like crazy, so I had to go get him. And I'm sitting here in the bedroom with him in one arm and the phone in the other. So. <laughs> <laughs> Your life does get in the way, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it does. See, I yeah. could, I'm retired now, and I could be relic hunting every day, but... For some reason, I have a seven-month-old. I hadn't figured this out yet, so I mean, I don't know. Well, that <laughs> that didn't just happen, Jeff. You you played a part in that. Well, I'll yeah, I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had a part in it, but he's just sitting here smiling. <laughs> Maybe he understands. Well, I tell you what, if yeah. we if we don't have another caller, I've uh, covered just about everything that uh, that I wanted to cover. Bo, tell us uh, how. Tell everybody how they can get in contact with you, your Facebook and uh, your uh, YouTube, and or any other social media that you're on. Well, I mean, you know, my Facebook is just my name, Bo Weeman, and uh, you know, I I try to get. You know, I'm pretty much at the limit now with friends. I can't really add too many more. Um, but if you, if you, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, my channel is Aqua Trigger on YouTube. You know, if you get a question in within the first hour of me posting a video, I, I, I'll try to answer. But after that, everything gets buried. Because, you know, I've got like 800 videos or something like that out there. And then people are still asking questions on videos I posted, you know, eight years ago. So um, it's really hard. Social media is tough for me because I get a lot of people asking me questions. Um, yeah. 
Don't give out my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't answer that phone three times when you called tonight because I'm like, I'm not going to answer that phone. <laughs> I know it. Uh... <laughs> I, my wife says, what? <laughs> like gosh now heath jones well, and them they they know what i'm talking about because people don't realize what all goes on in putting together a podcast and uh when you're like uh three or four or five minutes out and you can't get your guest on the phone which was the case with us and then he finally called yeah. me on my cell phone and then i had to drop everybody and call everybody back and it gets nerve-wracking i'll tell you but uh, you did. And I apologize for that. I really do. But I mean, I'm looking at this Kentucky number saying, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, who's that? I totally forgot because <laughs> yeah. I'm old. You know, I forgot. And my, you know, like all of a sudden it dawned on me with you guys, like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to. <laughs> I was freaking out. I really was freaking out. And I'm glad that it worked out. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it did too. We were freaking <laughs> yeah. out too. You didn't want to talk to anybody for, from Kentucky. Now then, you've talked to somebody from Kentucky for an hour and 23 minutes. <laughs> So. You know, I don't mind once I'm on the phone. Once I'm on the phone, it's fine. But I mean, so many people get my number because it's a public number, you know. So I can't even answer the phone anymore unless I know who's calling. I mean, I won't. Even, I won't answer it because I, you know, I get I get calls all the time from people. Hey, you know, can you check out this, you know, video for me? I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm just sit here and read. <laughs> read, you know what I mean? So. Well, just one other. Yeah. One other quick thing before we uh, let you go tonight, and we certainly do appreciate you being on and taking time. I know you're. Yeah, a busy, we really appreciate it. I know you're a busy man, I'm but uh, what uh, what immediate plans do you have right now? Oh, you know, I got a lot of stuff cooking coming up this year. Um, you know, just plans. Well, immediately, I guess I'm going to go to that uh, the Texas uh, for the Charles Garrett Memorial Hunt, which is coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, they invited me to come down to do that, and it's like a three-day hunt or something like that. And it's a camp; you can camp out, and so I'm going to be down there meeting and greeting with uh, I think Joss is going to be down there and some other people. And uh, after that, I'm going out to Arizona camping for a couple of weeks and make some more videos, maybe detecting and stuff. And that's my media plans. After that, who knows? <laughs> Well, best of luck on uh, on your adventures, and uh, we look forward to seeing the videos that you put together. And again, we certainly do appreciate you being uh, our special guest tonight. You were a great guest and a lot of information. Uh, we we talked about a lot of different subjects, and that's kind of what we wanted to do. And uh, we certainly do appreciate. And I, yeah, and thank you very much, Bo. I mean, well, thank you glad you come on the show. Invite me to. I thank you for inviting me on the show, and it was you know it really was my pleasure to they get on here and uh, talk to you guys. You were a lot of fun and you had some really good questions and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always a pleasure to, you know, to help out others when I can. So. Yeah. I've been, I've been wanting to talk more, but then the baby's been crying. And of course I've been going crazy right here. I mean, just running back and forth. And I mean, I was like, what's going on? And then where's your you mom? You need to be here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we don't want to get off without thanking all of the people that we had in the chat tonight, too. We had uh, we had a lot. My chat finally locked up. When you get so many, it uh, it locks up on uh, the supply side here. So uh, I hadn't been mm-hmm. able to watch the chat here for a little while. But, Bo, we certainly do appreciate it. Uh, good luck on your adventures, and we'll be uh, watching your YouTube channel and uh, and picking up on those things that you're doing in the future. All right, man. I appreciate it, and th- again, thanks for having me on. And uh, to all you fans, thanks for you know, thanks for coming on and uh, 
you know, asking questions. Okay. And watching and participating, Alrighty. right? All about precipitation. Okay. Do what? <laughs> I'm done. I'm tired. i got to go. Okay. <laughs> hey, thanks again. Thank we'll you, talk to you again, okay? Okay. Yeah, see care. you, buddy. All right. Talk yeah, to bye. you later. And we do appreciate everybody that was in the chat tonight. And uh, we want to remind you, if you like metal detecting shows, we've been doing this lately. Uh, we want to remind you of Beyond Sight and Sound. On, and all of these are on Spreaker, and I listen to them, and I will endorse all of these shows. Beyond Sight and Sound, uh, they're on Sunday night and Wednesday night, and I apologize, I don't know exactly when all of these shows are on. But American Digger Relic Roundup is on on Monday night. History Seekers is on on Tuesday night. And then there's also All Metal Mode and Hardcore Metal Detecting. But Relics Radio is on every Thursday night, and as I alluded to there a while ago, next week we have another very special guest, Sam Waters with uh, CWPPO, talking about Civil War uh, preservation in Ohio there, and I think that that's going to be an interesting show. So tune in next Thursday night at 6 o'clock Central. That'll be 7 o'clock Eastern time. And until then, we're going to get out of here. Thank you for joining us tonight on Relics Radio. We certainly appreciate it. Be sure and join us live each Thursday night at 6 p.m. Central Time. That's 7 o'clock Eastern Time here on Spreaker. Or you can catch the archive show at Relics Radio on Spreaker, iTunes, or iHeartRadio. Please take a minute and hit the like button and be sure and follow us so that you'll get notifications of all of our upcoming broadcasts. You can also find us on YouTube at Digging with 7 or Tennessee Jeff. Or you can check out our Facebook page, Relics Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with us, then send an email to diggingwith7 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We hope that you'll join us next Thursday night. And until then, get out there and dig some history. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.